Welcome back to America Can We Talk. And yes, we can talk every Sunday, 6 to 8 p.m. Love doing this show. Love talking with you every Sunday evening. The entire purpose of doing this show is to speak up for the extraordinary, unique greatness that is America. And I'm so grateful to have this opportunity every week to do that. Um, Where we are right now is, um, first of all, if you're listening on Facebook Live, I have no idea. This is the second week in a row. This has worked for three years or two years. Facebook Live is not cooperating tonight. I'm not sure why. And so we're just going to try to give it a try and see if we can keep going. But uh, I also cruise through the news at the top of the second hour. And so I'm going to start that right now on our cruise through the news. Uh, one thing that was rather a, an amazing, amazing item on cruise through the news is that despite denials numerous times um, in the past, it turns out Senator Elizabeth Warren is going to give close consideration to the idea of running for the United States presidency after the midterms. She's up, by the way, this time. She has a an opponent who's been on this show before who's really uh, sounded great. I, mean, I don't know how it'll go in the state of Massachusetts, but she's announced she's actually seriously going to give it a look at running. And just like I thought when Bernie Sanders, well, I wanted him very, very much to be the candidate in 2016. We need the national conversation about socialism. And, you know, Elizabeth Warren is at least a little smarter than Bernie. She doesn't call herself that, but she's as socialist as they come. I would love to have that competition of her socialist ideas and the free, the freedom-based ideas that is causing America to thrive as we now are doing. As Connie Burton was mentioning the last hour, America's thriving. Our economy's bustling. Jobs are, are abundant. I mean, it's just a great time in America. I'd love to have Elizabeth Warren be the candidate for the president in 2020. Anyway, so she's, after many, many times saying, oh, no, 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 who, me, not me. Yeah, she's going to give serious consideration, which means she's running. Okay, we talked a few weeks ago about uh, President Trump had gotten really tough. This is my top of the hour cruise to the news. President Trump had gotten really tough on, in fact, cut funding uh, toward the U.N. Palestinian Refugee Program, the UNRWA. We, America, cut off our funding um, for the Palestinian Refugee Program, and there was a lot of outcry, and, oh, how could you do that? I just want to call your attention. It was another great move by President Trump because America sends aid money to the Palestinians who in turn use it to shoot at the Israelis, to attack the Israelis, our allies. So this particular speech this week on Friday, um, Abbas, Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas, spoke at the United Nations. And he said, this guy said at the United Nations, he wanted to pay tribute to the hero and martyrs and prisoners of war. And he was praising the people who commit terrorism on behalf of the Palestinians in over in, in shooting at the Israelis. Every year, get these numbers, every year the Palestinian Authority allocates hundreds of millions of dollars in its budget to pay terrorists and their families for carrying out attacks against Israelis. In 2017, excuse me, 2017, the Palestinian Authority paid terrorists and their families more than 347 
million dollars. So American aid goes to reward terrorists for killing Israelis. And finally, President Trump put a stop to this. And he was criticized, of course, how could you be so mean? And this is a boss in the U.N. speaking up and praising the terrorists that he, that he and his organization still support. I'm so glad that President Trump said, never mind, America doesn't fund killing Israelis. That's not in our budget. Okay, next time I wanted to hit Kanye West, who has just been driving uh, left-wing America crazy uh, because he likes President Trump. And he is supporting and working with Candace Owens. By the way, if, you ever, if you're interested in hearing Candace Owens, she's coming to Dallas to an event in December. If you're interested in knowing more about that, you can contact me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. I can tell you about the event. It, she's going to be stellar. Anyway, so Kanye West was on Saturday Night Live. And so he was on Saturday Night Live, and he, he, I guess he did three songs. In the third song, he put on his MAGA hat, his red Make America Great hat, and the audience did not like this too much. You know, Saturday Night Live's liberal audience, they didn't like it. So Kanye West wore the hat, did, the, um, you know, did his performance of wearing the hat, and he actually referred to wearing the hat as his Superman cape because it means to him... You can't tell me what to do. That's what he said. The MAGA hat means that I loved it. He actually hung around, talked to the audience afterwards, the people who were there watching Saturday Night Live, live, and he talked to them afterwards about the reasons he's so supportive of President Trump and just rejected their arguments He's that Trump is racist. He said, I don't know what you're even talking about. If I thought America you know, was as racist as you said, it, I would have left years ago. He talked about how much he... Um, you know, uh, he talked about being bullied in the backstage at Saturday Night Live, bullied by the Saturday Night Live crew who could not believe he would go out there with his MAGA hat on. And I have to say, folks, this is an extraordinary kind of bravery. You know, it's bad enough even for um, even in Texas, there's, you know, in, in a lot of places around the country, people say, well, I wear my MAGA hat and I get criticized. I guess, oh, you support Trump. He's awful. This is a guy who is a outspoken he's a leader in the black community well known and wears his maga hat in saturday night live god bless him kanye west okay this is debbie georgiatis america can we talk we're going to zip off to a break we come back from the break i want to tell you the latest in the Mueller investigation the democrat plan continues to destroy president trump come right back facebook live we're going to be back in four minutes Our nation faces a choice, the path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility, whether informed the national debate on property rights, energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. 
Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I try to say at least one time in every show, the entire purpose of doing this show, you know, I'm a lawyer by background and a stay-at-home mom, political activist. I got involved in radio for the simple purpose, the overwhelming, this is a mission radio show. The mission is to speak up for the extraordinary, exceptional idea that is America and try to bring the discussion of political issues and campaigns 
out of just the you know low level back and forth what about this what about that issue and the the larger context which is it is our job as it is a job and every generation of american patriots to preserve the extraordinary idea that is america preserve the liberty on which america was founded to insist on the constitution to insist on the rule of law all of those fundamental building blocks that make america great and that's why I do the show. It's why I talk about the stories I do. It's how I pick the stories. But I want to turn now to, I mentioned earlier, we talked the whole, almost the whole first hour um, about this uh, Judiciary Committee hearing and the effort to, uh, the Democrat effort to, in some way or another, derail the nomination by President Trump of his, um, of Brett Kavanaugh to, to take the uh, seat that's vacant on the Supreme Court. The Democrats announced numerous of the leaders of the Democrat Party announced the moment his name was announced as, a, as, the, uh, as a nominee, I'll do everything in my power to destroy him. I'll do everything in my power to stop him. We must galvanize America against him. All of these allegations relating to alleged conduct when he was in 1982, when he was in whatever he was in 11th grade or something, um, they, they fell on the Democrats' lap, and they're using them to, destroy, to try to destroy this candidate. But the larger picture is that this FBI investigation will go on and on and on and on and on until the GOP puts a stop to it, forces a vote on the floor of the Senate, and says, we're going to have the vote. The guy's either going to get named to the court, he's going to move up to the court, or we're going to force all of the Democrats— who would never agree to this standard that one unproven, unprovable allegation from decades ago destroys a person. The Democrats would never permit that standard if it were their case. Well, obviously, they wouldn't. They didn't mind the dozens of uh, indiscretions by Bill Clinton and even gave him a second term as president. And these weren't just uh, disloyalty to his wife. These were, there were numerous allegations of rape, serious sexual assault, stemming, uh, spanning his life, spending, you know, two decades of his adult life or three decades of his adult life. So for the Democrats, this is not about setting a standard that from now on one allegation of sexual assault is enough. It's about saying we're going to destroy Trump and, and, and uh, Kavanaugh. And in particular, the mindset of the Democrats is just really important to get where they are in America. I'm not talking about the average Democrat who lives next door, voted Democrat their whole life because their mom was or dad was in a union or something. I'm talking about who leads the Democrat Party today, who sets not just their policies, but their vision and their mode of operation. The Democrats are on a relentless, never, never, never give up Seach, you know, uh, Kavanaugh called it search and destroy. That is what they did to Kavanaugh. And it's exactly what they're doing with the Mueller investigation against President Trump and the supposed this uh, allegation of collusion between uh, the Trump campaign and the Russians. It's exactly the same mindset, exactly the same MO, modus operandi, exactly the same tactics they take. There never was any evidence of collusion between President Trump and the Russians, President Trump's campaign and the Russians. But this willingness to destroy everything in their path to get the mission to remove President Trump from office justifies whatever they do, however they conduct themselves. 
In particular, Mueller was investigated, uh, was appointed by Rod Rosenstein to investigate this supposed collusion between President Trump or his campaign and Putin and the Russians after is over $18 million now, after hiring a slew of Trump-hating liberal lawyers, they have, we are now five weeks away from the midterms, five weeks and two days away from the midterm elections, and after $18 trillion, and, and I'm going to get to in a moment who they have investigated, not one iota of evidence of any wrongdoing by President Trump or his campaign in colluding with the Russians to, to impact the election, the um, 2016 election. Nothing at all. The second element of the Mueller thing was supposed to be to investigate President Trump for alleged obstruction. Again, after $18 million, dozens of lawyers, Trump-hating, Hillary Clinton-loving, Barack Obama-donating, supporting lawyers, no evidence of obstruction by the president at all. So here we are. This is the plan the Democrats had from the moment President Trump won in 2016 is find a way to take him down. This is what the Democrats wanted. This is why the Mueller investigation got going. It's what the purpose of the Mueller investigation is right now. And so the Mueller investigation is ongoing. And uh, there's a little report out because we are are now so close to the election, um, a report out by the um, an an assessment actually on the uh, Hill, I think it was a Hill newspaper, but uh, where we are. So we have no evidence of any kind whatsoever um, that the Democrats uh, come up with by the um, Mueller investigation. No evidence at all of any um, of any wrongdoing by Trump, of any collusion with the Russians, none at all. But we are in a place where the... um, the uh, Democrats are wanting to have something for the midterm, something to point to, something to justify their um, actions, their conduct. And so there, there is a report at the Hill that that after all, they have um, evidence of the um, of prosecutions and convictions of some people. And again, recognize this has nothing to do with Trump. No evidence at all. But because they have to have some report, they now have uh, they have uh, 37 people charged, eight people pled guilty, six of them um, pled guilty. Uh, six of them are now agreeing to cooperate. But the um, but to be really clear, again, understanding what this means, it is not meaning that the um, evidence of actual wrongdoing has been uncovered by Trump or by anyone in the campaign relating to the 2016 elections. The Democrats have wasted the taxpayer money. They have wasted, they have tried to have the Mueller investigation just dominate the headlines from the entire time that President Trump has been serving. The whole goal is to have it uh, dominate the headlines, to have no, no progress made, and Trump has made tremendous progress Despite the um, this effort by the Democrats, by the Mueller team and the Rosenstein to push him, but 
no no evidence, no wrongdoing. And I think it's really important because you have to realize this is the Democrats thought that by this point, five weeks out of the midterms, that we would be in a position where, um, you know, all sorts of allegations were possible. Trump might be charged. We might have found something we can impeach him on. They found nothing. What they have found is that it pays off to keep uh, n- names and headlines. It, it, distra- it attracts and, and takes away from the um, uh, from from the good news being in the headlines that should be in. Two things happened this week. Fusion GPS operator Glenn Simpson, uh, and again, Fusion GPS right in the middle of the scandal, right in the middle of feeding false information uh, from the Trump dossier, the Russian dossier, feeding that information to the FBI. FBI uses it to go get warrants unjustified. This was the Fusion GPS operator, Glenn Simpson, refused to testify to Congress. I mean, these people, they think they're above the law. And so Chairman Goodlatte has now had to subpoena him, say, no, you're going to come and testify about what you did. You're going to come and talk to us about, you know, what was your instruction from Hillary Clinton? The Clinton campaign hired them. What did you do? How? And, and he, in fact, this um, Glenn Simpson tried to put out a story this week where really the entire thing, the whole dossier, has nothing to do with him. It was all really the Australian government. That is one of the defenses that this guy is raising. It wasn't really me, who me. It was the Australian government. So uh, Goodlatte is having to subpoena him. And it still doesn't mean he'll testify, but it will force him to at least respond to the subpoena or be held in contempt. And if he shows up, it'll force him to either answer questions or be or be found or or take the Fifth Amendment, which, of course, he can do like anyone can do. So we have um, we have that with the uh, Mueller team uh, rolling forward. We also had the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, which is the committee that chair- is chaired by Goodluck. We had that committee announce they're going to release the transcripts of more than 50 witnesses who've given testimony in the 2017-2018 investigation. If we could ever get the complete public exposure of all that went on inside the FBI, Department of Justice, the testimony by these witnesses, America would start to see the Democrat Party in full bloom, out of their minds, trying to destroy the Trump presidency, and hopefully it help us in the midterms. I'm Debbie Georges. This is America Can We Talk. You come right back. Hi, this is Debbie Georgiatis. If you are listening to America Can We Talk, you know that my show is dedicated to preserving the exceptional idea that is America. I want to take a minute to tell you what I mean by that. Unlike almost every other country on the planet, America's culture, our very identity, has nothing at all to do with ethnicity, race, or national origin. Instead, America is all about ideas, including the most basic idea that each of us, simply because we were born has the God-given right to live out our individual version of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness within the guardrails of the Constitution and our laws. Preserving this requires patriots in every American generation to grasp the importance of this truth, to recognize and fight back against the subtle and not-so-subtle relentless attacks on American liberty, and to speak up for and defend the unique culture of American-style liberty. The federal government spends $900 billion annually on anti-poverty programs. What has it produced? 75% of black children are born into fatherless homes. 
43% of the prison population is black. The black poverty rate has remained at twice the national average. And cities like Oakland, Baltimore, St. Louis, and Detroit are in ruins. Instead of helping, bad policies and billions of dollars have spread a sickness in the black community. It's time for a cure. The Center for Urban Renewal and Education, CURE, led by President Star Parker, is addressing our nation's most critical problems in our nation's most distressed zip codes. CURE's mission is to fight poverty and restore dignity through faith, freedom, and personal responsibility. To find out more, to read about how CURE works, and how you can help, please visit urbancure.org and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Together, you and I can cure America. America is greatly blessed by the men and women serving in our military who are defending us every day, making our freedom possible. Military families also serve, and they face hardships while dads and moms are far from home. Military families endure frequent moves around the country and overseas, requiring them to adjust to new schools and make new friends over and over. They also face anguish while their soldiers deployed overseas, often in harm's way. The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dreams. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and get involved today. The right to freedom of speech, to be who you are and to speak your mind, is a foundational American value enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution. And nowhere is that value more important than on America's college campuses. But too often on our campuses, unpopular political opinions or religious beliefs are met with censorship or even violence instead of honest dialogue and discussion. And Texas colleges are no exception. Schools like the University of Texas at Austin, Sam Houston State University, and the University of North Texas all place burdensome restrictions on free speech. That's why the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, fights back against the censors to defend liberty on America's college campuses. Does your college or alma mater uphold our most cherished American value of freedom of speech? Find out by visiting thefire.org and consider lending FIRE your support. Welcome back. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. I'm just so grateful to be on the radio and talk to you every Sunday evening, 6 p.m. Central Time. I want to say hello to our listeners uh, here in Dallas, of course, 660 a.m. in North Texas, and also our listeners in Colorado Springs on AM 1460 and FM 111.1, The Answer. Love hearing from you. You can always email me about, and people do email with kind of suggestions and, and reactions to things I say. Uh, talk at gmail.com is my email for radio. I'm also on Twitter at DebbieCanWeTalk. And if you're watching Facebook Live, I would like to say we've had the best best huge growth of this show through facebook live and so i am this is the second week after you know two years of a habit just going strong 
Second week was a little bit trouble with, I'm not sure what's happening with the connection. So if we get uh, cut off, I'm so sorry. I'll try to come back right away. Love being able to talk to you. Love our interaction. Love the emails. Love the comments. I'm happy to, I love getting in dialogue with our listeners because part of defending and preserving America is that the, the national American political conversation about preserving our country. It is a vital thing. It is part of our First Amendment, the blessing of the First Amendment freedoms. So, I want to change the subject entirely and tell you something happened this week. I've, many, many times in this show, I've talked about the threat of radical Islam, the threat of the danger to, of the Islamization of other countries around the world, and the threat posed to America, not just by the potential for a violent jihad, violent attack on America, which or any place, and we've watched many horrific incidents occurring in Western Europe and England and other places, but but it's not, that's not the only threat of radical Islam. The other threat, in fact, is a far more severe and real and consequential threat, is a slower, more subtle cultural or civilization jihad, which is the effort of some who are uh, embrace the notion that believe as being part of uh, followers of Islam, that they simply must spread Islam by force or deception, must spread it, must, subje- must uh, subject people to Islam, must put, they must force the spread of Islam at all costs. It's called Islamization is one word. I'm writing a new book and I've been, I'm realizing and this, this chapter that I'm working on has gotten into the uh, very lengthy describing this process and what's actually occurring around the world because it's a very sensitive topic and many people don't want to talk about it. They want to assume it couldn't really be that bad and we shouldn't mind it. But there is a huge, huge problem and a need for people in America and everywhere to be alert to it that our civilization, our culture in America the freedoms we assume we have exist because of our Constitution, because of the promises about individual liberty, the right to liberty that's spelled out in our Declaration of Independence, that's enshrined in the Constitution. And the whole constitutional structure of religious freedom is utterly, completely incompatible, incompatible with Sharia, which is Islamic law, incompatible with the goals of Islamic supremacism, the idea of imposing Islam on people who don't wish to be wish to become Muslim. This is a just a huge issue in this world. But there's a story that happened this week. There's first of all, I should back up and say that the country of Turkey has been especially aggressive in spreading in Islamization, in spreading Islam, uh, and one way they do that is through the planting of mosques. And in 2015, there was a great big uh, story, kind of a, an eye-opener for the world, that Turkey is launching an international mosque-building program. And so what they're doing, they're, they're planting, they're, they're building mosques in various places uh, in, in non-Islamic countries, in Christian-majority countries, or just Western culture countries, and it becomes a center for people who are... Um, who are who are Muslim, and a lot of what goes on with, it has been discovered by authorities in the in Western Europe is the mosques are places where people become radicalized. They become willing to engage in violence on behalf of Islam, and so this mosque building is a means of spreading Islamic supremacism. The means of forcing Islam onto other cultures and other countries. So this week, the big story I wanted to share about, it comes from uh, Cologne, Germany. And in Germany, a massive mega mosque 
funded by the Turkish government, opened. And Erdogan, who is the, the head and the president of Turkey, um, I don't know if he's president, yeah, president of Turkey, uh, was there to celebrate this enormous new mega mosque uh, in Cologne, Germany. So Turkey is funding it. The Turkish government's funding it. And they are heading over to Cologne, Germany to celebrate the opening of it. There was some objection by some German citizens already reeling from the impact of uh both jihadist activity, violence in the name of radical Islam, the whole, the, the, uh, the challenges the country of Germany and other Western European countries have faced with the uh, massive influx of Islamic refugees who come to those, those new host countries, those countries, and bring Islamic culture, try to inflict or impose Islamic culture on those countries. And so there's already a lot of tension. Angela Merkel, the prime minister, I forget her title, prime minister, wherever she is, of Germany, uh, has, has been challenged many times because she authorized the, uh, the admission of millions of Islamic refugees into Germany, and it has caused havoc in many cities and, and towns around Germany. They've had terror attacks. They've had uh, aggressive conduct by young uh, Islamic refugees who disapprove of, way, of the way women are permitted to dress in Western cultures, who have committed violence. They have, they have they've just had many, many problems in Germany, Austria, France, Italy, all over Western Europe, the, the Scandinavian countries, the Netherlands, uh, England. And so I raise all this to say that part of what the Western cultures are trying to figure out is what do you do about this mosque planting? So they are, it's not like, I mean, Turkey is using the mosque planting as a means to foment the spread of Islamic supremacism, the idea that Islam is entitled to be supreme over other cultures and other religions entitled to force other force people to become subject to Islam. So Erdogan, this massive mega mosque opens in Cologne. I mean, there's a picture of it. I think I'm not sure if this article made it on to our uh, I list some of the articles every week. We talk about our website is AmericaCanWeTalk.org. Uh, on that website, I think this one did make it, but I'm not sure. But anyway, they had police protecting um, this opening thing because so many people there were very, very, very um, upset about this massive mosque being built in Germany. And the point is that the mosques are built not to accommodate a current Islamic population that needs somewhere to go to services. It is they are planted and built for the purpose of spreading Islam, of spreading Islam, of, of trying to, to become a forceful presence in these in, in countries like Germany. So about 10,000 Erdogan critics took to the streets and said, no, we, we, do, we don't. They were opposed to Turkey's record on human rights. They, they, um, they don't like how Turkey is treating their minority Kurd population. So it's a very tense thing in, in Germany. And I'll tell you, um, it's interesting. My husband and I happen to have a good friend um, who lives in Turkey. She's Christian. She married a guy from Turkey, um, met him in college, went over to Turkey, and she lives in Turkey, and she's been there for decades. And we saw her recently. She was back in America visiting, I think one of her adult kids was getting married. Anyway, 
we had a little visit with her. Turkey is becoming extremely dangerous. Erdogan is a radical Islamist. He's a very dangerous leader. He is repressing, I mean, arresting people who dare challenge him. He's making uh, the Christian population, which isn't very big anyway, uh, very frightened about being public about their um, faith. It is a, he's a dangerous figure, and he's part of this mass mosque um, spreading um, effort around the world. Well, even here in America, and you likely know this, but this Turkish movement is also bringing mosques to America. One in particular that people are concerned about is in Lanham, Maryland. It's a Dianet Center uh, in DCA, Dianet Center of America. It's a mosque and Islamic center in Maryland. And there are people trying to say, look, we don't we, we need to be careful to not continue to permit Turkey to keep on building mosques. Turkey is has has is the money behind and the uh, impetus behind the building of many mosques in America. And as I'm writing about in this my book, I'm writing now um, the country of Austria finally put a stop to it and said, to, they, they've they've passed new laws. I'm not sure they'd be constitutional in America, but Austria has passed new laws saying, you know, no more foreign funding of mosques in Austria because they've had the same problem. Turkey's very, very aggressive in building mosques as a way to spread Islamic supremacism. And this is another reason I'm very grateful that we have President Trump as our president because I think he will catch on to this idea. I think he will be more willing to say, we have to look at this. We just can't sit there and take it and and watch this happen in America uh, without recognizing we need to speak up and do something about that to be sure we're not, this is not a, a subtle cultural jihad that we're watching unfold right in front of us. Okay. Debbie Georgiatis, America Can We Talk? We come back with the GOP budget just passed. You won't believe. Come right back. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. Have you heard of the Policy Circle? It's a national network of women who come together in neighborhood conversations to discuss the public policies impacting their communities. You can think of it as a book club, but instead of reviewing a book, members discuss public policy issues. Policy Circle members have access to membership-only resources and benefits that complement a thoughtful framework for women to come together and have fact-based discussions. From healthcare to poverty, 
From free enterprise to education, from fiscal responsibility to the First Amendment, we discuss the issues that shape America. Change starts with a conversation. Conversations happen when women across the nation are connected and engaged in their communities, openly sharing their views and taking a leadership role in policy dialogue on what human creativity can accomplish in a free economy. Are you ready to join a growing network of engaged women? To join or start your own policy circle, visit thepolicycircle.org today. That's thepolicycircle.org. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony List, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. Okay, welcome back. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is the, I say so often, the fastest two hours of my week. And you know, it's really hard to do. I pay attention to news all the time. I, I, you know, kind of read so much. It's almost hard to decide what topics should we hit in this really short two hours. So one way that I expand my time talking with you all is I do a podcast now. And so if you're watching on Facebook Live right here in the same Facebook page, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time, I do a podcast and I do, I do a kind of a deep dive into one topic or maybe a few topics. I'm going to, as soon as I finish this book I'm writing, which is really quite the project, I'm going to do more podcasting because I really enjoy it. And I, you know, it's just, it's an easy way to talk about things that I get. It was just amazing and fun dialogue. People come comment. They send me private messages on Facebook. They email me. And I love that. I just think the whole wholesome debate and discussion about America is vital to hold on to our precious, precious country. Um, So I'm going to turn to the unbelievable budget that the Republicans are responsible for in a moment or the spending bill. But I want to finish one more thing about what I mentioned. You know, we ran through the first hour talking about the um, 
you know, protecting America and recognizing the just utter sabotaging that the Democrats engaged in of the constitutional process of appointing new justices at the federal level when they, the Senate Judiciary Committee, had to deal with the nomination by President Trump of Brett Kavanaugh and that just it has been it has been contorted and stained and 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 just, you know, assaulted by the American left, uh, all with, you know, allegedly good reasons and the bot you know we're, we just need to investigate further we're just checking out we're just trying to be sure this is the democrats thinking they can somehow hold out and prevent getting president trump's right to appoint a supreme court justice to fill the current vacancy and again you know that court is a core function uh, a a core element of a building block of america a core element of constitutional government in our country the, Amer- the I, you know the reason that the left is so upset about this particular nominee is not because of anything he did with any girl ever in his entire life it is because he will follow the constitution the strict constitutionalist constitutionalist a person who recognizes the job of the court is to follow and apply the constitution and as uh, justice scalia did as the other conservatives do in the supreme court and the other shorthand way i make reference to the other side of the aisle the uh, justice ginsburg and the other liberal justices is they just are in the makeup stuff faction of the supreme court they don't feel at all confined by the constitution they don't feel the government should be confined by the constitution's requirements they are just the makeup stuff faction and this is make up new rights make up new rules discover non-existent things in the constitution and the reason this matters is many important cases are coming up so if justice uh, Kavanaugh is not yet seated in the Supreme Court, and the, seas- the, the uh, this court this court's this year's term starts um, in October, first Monday of October, that court is going to hear cases that even if Kavanaugh eventually gets on the court, he can't rule on those cases because he didn't wasn't there for the oral argument. So, this is a um, this is a, a true straight out strategy manipulation by the American left. And Republicans, you know, if I know it and you know it and millions of Americans know it, they need to stand up. And that left is using this issue of uh, alleged uh, sexual assault from decades ago. No bad conduct, even remotely proven. Uh, It's using it because they know it works because it gets people uh, emotional and not able to think clearly and and cowed and afraid of voting for this judge. And that's why the left is enjoying using this issue so much. But the broader point I'm trying to make is that in this show, I just I am all about preserving this country. So I want to talk, uh, you know, about what has happened with Kavanaugh. I also want to mention the Mueller investigation, same M.O. that the Democrats are using on the Judiciary Committee. The search and destroy mission against Kavanaugh is the M.O. that Mueller is using against the uh, Trump administration, again, to uh, allegedly investigating Trump-Russia collusion when they've They've figured out after, you know, $18 million and whatever it's been, 18 months, that there's no evidence of any kind. They just another one. They made stuff up. And so but that they will not stop. They will not relent because they are determined to destroy the Trump presidency because he 
put a halt to the radical leftism, that the le- radical left track America was on. So the Mueller thing, the Erdogan thing, you know, I mentioned, I want to mention one more thing about this mosque and building in America. We've had so many shows where I have experts on talking about uh, what Islam actually teaches and that many Americans don't understand what Islam teaches and they think it's just another nice religion and we're trying really hard in America to respect freedom of religion and to we, diversity and multiculturalism and all that. These are our highest virtues and people do not, too many Americans do not recognize the threat of radical Islam, even after we see attacks, jihadist attacks in, in London and all over England and, as I mentioned, all over Western Europe and Scandinavia. Just the, just the ongoing um, attack, the aggression of Islamic supremacists. And again, it's not all Muslims. It's not all Muslims. But there is a very significant core of Islamic supremacists member followers of the faith of islam who are islamic supremacists who believe they must inflict islam on everyone must inflict sharia and these are the ones we're worried about so just a few little facts to keep in mind before i get to the budget story so since 9 11 in america we obviously had a major attack um on american soil uh, from by radical muslims um whose intent was to just inflict harm and again, if you don't know, America on 9-11 was not attacked because of bad things our military did. We were not attacked because they were retaliating against something that American troops did. They were attacked as a part of the literally centuries-long, millennia-long, ongoing conquest ideology of Islam. What we experience in 9-11 is, is the, the ongoing conquest ideology of Islamic supremacists. But so since 9-11, the number of mosques in America has grown by 75 percent. Isn't that interesting? 75 percent since the number of mosques have grown in America since then. So mosque building is on a roll in America. They, you know, it, this Turkey is a huge player in this effort to push Islam into countries where they're not supplying money to help local Muslims who need a mosque. They're building mosques to spread Islamic supremacism. Saudi Arabia engages in similar behavior. It's going to be my new book. A lot of discussion about Saudi Arabia and how much money they've spent in America not just building mosques and Islamic centers, but funding them, uh, paying people to work there, funding them with resources, providing uh, literature that is very anti-Western, anti-Christian, anti-American. This is Saudi Arabia doing it to right here on American soil. Okay, last thing on this in America, then I will turn to the budget thing. We're almost, I can't believe, fastest two hours of my week. It races by. Okay, but on this story, just to finish this point, um, for one thing, some study, recent studies show that about 80% of the mosques in America preach jihad through their sermons or materials. 80% urge jihad. It doesn't really matter if you know, and I know people who are Muslim who are very nice, and I assume they would never do anything bad. They act nice to me. I mean, everyone has someone they know that is, is, you know, nice and friendly, and they are, they are followers of the faith of Islam. At the same time, it is also true that in America, as the number of mosques are radically expanding, and the 80% of mosques preach jihad, 
and more than 95% of American Muslims attend mosques that preach jihad or else advocate for jihad through their materials. Well, I'm going to go back in another few weeks and get one of our experts back on the show to talk about how alert Americans have to be because our job of protecting this precious, extraordinary experiment in liberty that is America requires us to be alert to challenges against America, challenges that would hurt America of all kinds, including this, including the idea of mosques growing in America. But the last point I want to hit tonight, and we're going to be out of time before we know it, but the country has been mesmerized by the Kavanaugh nomination, the story that came out by um, Dr. Christine Ford, her testimony this week, Kavanaugh's defense of himself, which which did not reveal he lacks judicial temperament, it revealed he got he responded the way any sane human being would to being falsely accused. Um, and um, but that whole that story kind of captivated the country. So in the meantime, you know, uh, got Bob Goodlatte, the uh, House uh, chair of the House committee, or I don't know, was I forget the committee name, but the point is he's been the one trying to get subpoenaing, trying to get Glenn Simpson to come and tell what happened at Fusion GPS, won't do it. Other committees have been working away, including the uh, GOP Congress, while we were distracted, and there is an article up on our website for sure, this one's up, um, and this is by Daniel Horowitz, one of my favorite writers at Conservative Review. The article's called, what your GOP Congress did while you were distracted. Yeah, amen to that. We were distracted. They passed at the body closest to the people, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I got to get to the... the um, they basically passed a budget, and he's calling it the budget betrayal bill, passed a budget bill, sent it to the president, who, contrary to his promise last year, when he said, promise he would never again sign such a huge spending bill, he's agreed to sign it. And because we're so wrapped up in Kavanaugh, we're not recognizing the GOP is not keeping their promises to the American people to keep uh, our uh, spending low. I will tell you that um, this bill passed with the support of all but five Democrats in the entire House, 56 Republicans, only 56 Republicans um, voted against it. That was um, less than one-fourth of the caucus. So we have a massive spending bill coming down our way, including all the agencies are being funded above the omnibus spending levels, all the agencies that Trump specifically targeted for reduction or elimination are funded by this spending bill. You know, I'll talk about the budget we haven't talked about in a while on this show. I probably need to get someone back on and talk about it. But again, the idea of holding on to America has to in part include the idea of holding on to a responsible budget that we make the hard decisions that the American left will never, ever, ever, ever make because all they ever will do is increase taxing and spending. And the, and the only folks who hold up that are the Republicans in the U.S. House. So we got to keep the House Republican. Debbie George S., America Can We Talk. Come back next week. You're listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk. Truth About America. America.